morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am thankful that you're here this morning. Uh, if you are a parent of one of these kids, uh, just compliments to you. The kids were amazing this week, and uh, I just love to see them engage and connect. And uh, I want to thank you for bringing them this morning and uh, you being a part here today. Now, we've been going through a series called The Gospel According to Mark, and we're going to be in Mark 8 in just a short while. But before we get there, I want to update you with a few things. And the reason that I'm updating you with a few things is that I'm going to be stepping tomorrow into my sabbatical. So I have a short five-week sabbatical that I'll be on. Uh, and uh, so I will be away from here. This is something that uh, I was given five years ago when I stepped into this role as a lead pastor. At year f- after year five, I could take five weeks. And uh, it's, a, it's a good thing uh, for me, my family, and it's also a really good thing for you. What happened here today as I was watching and listening is a demonstration of the church being the church. The church should never rest solely on one person. And, uh, and it's just a beautiful thing to sit back and watch. And so um, over these next five weeks, uh, if you have needs, uh, the staff is still here, the deacons are here, uh, you will be well cared for, and, uh, and I'm excited for you as well over these next few weeks. And so I want to give you a, a brief update. Uh, there'll probably be an update, the same type of update in the weekly that gets sent out. Uh, so if you're not getting the weekly, you can just email the office and uh, get on our, our list there. It's where everything's coming through. But I wanted to update you on a few things that are happening, just so you know going into the rest of this summer. I want to update you on building. Uh, I want to update you on staffing. And uh, those are really the two main things um, that I had here this morning, as I already mentioned, the sabbatical. Uh, but the building, a couple weeks ago, our membership approved continuing forward and giving permission to our deacons to continue the process towards a building. And, uh, and so the membership approved that. And I ask that you would pray for our building committee, the committee that is processing and working through all of this as they start to work on contracts and site plans and bids and loans and all the different things that go along with it. There's much to be done. So would you please pray for them? Pray for Doug as he leads through this season. Um, along with that is in uh, uh, earlier this year, we had a campaign called Forward, a six-week-long campaign where you pledged uh, f- for physical space in place and then also for ones. And I wanted to give you an update on that, is that you pledged $760,000 over the next three years. And since May, I want to report that you've already given $162,000. 21% of the three-year pledge has already come in uh, in just that short amount of time. And so I wanted to update you where we're at with that. And also our ones was the second and most important thing because we're not building a building to, to just be impressive or have you know, things, bells and whistles, but rather we want it to be a space where more of this can happen, more of what you saw uh, before you. And so, um, and it's really about people and people meeting Jesus. As I look at that uh, tree there with uh, the new light bulbs up there, and, and as Kai said, we, we turned the other bulbs off just for this week. Uh, we're going to somehow figure out how to add the other 25-ish that were up there before. Uh, These all represent an individual who has said yes to following Jesus or recommitted their life to Jesus just this year. And uh, we want to continue to see and celebrate what God is doing in that. And so you, uh, as part of the forward, have committed to about 221, someone that you're intentionally praying for, that you're walking with, you're sharing life with. And this week, uh, I was able to speak with the kids and talk about ones, uh, which is a challenge, you know, for different age groups of really talking about what a one is and how that works. And what you see here is um, the kids' ones, and there's 40 or 50 different names of friends of theirs that they have committed to pray for and uh, that they would love to see follow Jesus uh, someday. And so just really excited that they added um, to that this week. 
So that's building and forward. And then the other update I want to give you is staffing. A few weeks ago, John shared with you through letter and then also here uh, that he would be making a change job-wise, that he's praying about what that next step is. And so we as a church, we want to extend, we want to bless, we want to honor both he and Angela as they take their next steps. And so uh, we ask that you would please keep praying for them, keep praying for that right open door, and, uh, and be that voice of encouragement and prayer uh, for them as they are faithful to God and what he's called them to do. And John has been here for 15 years, and, uh, and really his position has grown around him and his skill set and what the church needed. I mean, just think of where we were uh, technology-wise 15 years ago, and, uh, and this has just grown around him. And so for us to simply plug someone else into that uh, is not just going to be a simple plug and play. And so we wanted to let you know that there's a staffing committee that's working with the deacons, and we're looking at our entire staffing. What are we doing? What is God calling us to? What is God preparing us for? What are needs that we have? Um, with the position that's there, uh, but also beyond that. And so we have a short-term plan that'll kick in uh, to place this fall because John's going to be with us this summer. And then we'll have more of a long-term plan into 23 of what that looks like. And so this will be a process. So I ask that you pray not only for John and Angela for their next steps, but we as a church. Um, and I'm really grateful for many people who have already said yes um, to helping in this process and saying, I'll do this, I'll volunteer for this, I'll serve in this way in this short-term plan. And so just thankful for those that have already said yes. And some of you that are like, nah, I'm going to say yes to something here in the future. Uh, I just appreciate you as well. And so um, with all that being said, uh, I wanted to share that because, like I said, I step into my sabbatical. And, uh, and something I also want to say with my sabbatical is that uh, I've been getting these questions, and Joanna has as well, of like, so well, I guess we can't talk to you for five weeks. No, that's weird, right? <laughs> like, don't duck in a different aisle at a grocery store. Um, you know, don't walk the other direction when we're coming towards you. Uh, we're human beings, right? And, and so, yes, please talk to us. Please say hello. Um, we're just not doing church stuff for those five weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm just apart from that. And so I hope in light of this update, uh, the reality of what you saw here this morning and other things is that God is doing great things all around us. Yes, there is change happening when you think of building, when you think of staffing, when you think of the world around us, or maybe you're here going like, I'm trying to figure out this Jesus thing or a church or whatever it may be. There's change, but God is in the middle of it. And so what we're doing is we're looking for God who's leading and we want to follow after. And so that's what we're encouraging you to do. And I also want to encourage you in that same way. If you have questions, please ask them and ask them of people who can get you the right and true answers. Um, so talk to staff, talk to deacons, talk to someone that can get an answer uh, to you. We are open. Um, we will answer your questions. And so please ask them. And, uh, and if you ask a question and that person doesn't get it, go to someone else um, and, uh, and get that, that question answered. All right. Whew, that was a lot right there. All right. And so here we are once again. This is what it was like last week, too, is that we just had a lot in service, and it was really good. And then there's a message. And so uh, we are going to be in Mark 8, and I invite you to turn there to Mark 8 as we continue on in our uh, series. And this starts off with, uh, with Jesus um, in a large crowd. One other comment I forgot to make. Um, I want to say a public thank you to the person who made and donated this. I promised this person I would not say their name. Um, and so I want to say a public thank you to the person who made and donated this. Uh, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm so excited to use it. And uh, so thank you. Uh, Mark 8. During those days, another large crowd gathered. 
since they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks to them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up the seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Delmutha. All right, so here, the very first verse we looked at, it says, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Jesus had this tendency where he went, large crowds followed. Those large crowds wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And if we were to go back just a couple chapters, we would see that Jesus had already read or already fed 5,000 people. So he's doing this miracle. He fed that 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and returned with 12 baskets. And now Jesus drew another crowd here that were hungry, and he now fed 4,000. I wonder where in the disciples' process of this, when they came to him a second time and said, hey, you got another large crowd that's hungry. What should we do? They asked this question. And then Jesus is like, well, what do you have? And they're like, well, just a small amount of food. And Jesus said, give it to me, and then pass it out. I wonder where along this process, they're like, didn't we do this before? I feel like this has happened before, and here we are again, passing out food, and, and then we're coming back with baskets full of food. This really uh, moment just felt like I have been there before. But this is a question of like, why, why did Jesus do the same miracle again? And what was the point of him doing this? And, and not only him doing this miracle, but why did Mark record this in his gospel, which is very short, which is very quick. He recorded the same type of miracle back to back. And not only did he record the same miracle, he recorded the 5,000 first and then the 4,000, which kind of seems like, yeah, you know, this like, eh, that's cool, but it's not as cool as 5,000. I mean, why wasn't it like the feeding of 10,000 or 15,000? Why would he include these in there? And what were his disciples to learn? And what are we to learn from this narrative? Well, let's go back to the text. Verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him, and they asked him for a sign from heaven. So the Pharisees is this religious group. They were, they were looked upon pretty highly. They knew uh, their doctrine. They knew their theology. They were just, they were spot on. The law led them. But Jesus often will criticize them. And here the Pharisees are looking to trap Jesus. The Pharisees did not like Jesus at all. And so the Pharisees come and they say, hey, give us a sign from heaven. Now let me remind you, so far in what's been recorded in the gospel according to Mark, Jesus has already done this. He's driven out demons multiple times. He healed Simon's mother-in-law, a man who had leprosy, a paralyzed man, a man with a shriveled hand, a woman who was bleeding, Jairus' daughter, a deaf man, a blind man. He calmed a storm. He walked on water, and he fed 5,000, and he just finished feeding 4,000. And the Pharisees come, and they say, hey, how about a sign from heaven? 
what? They were there. They heard. They saw some of these things. But why did they ask this question? I believe they were coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, yep, you've done those things, but I need you to do something for us. You need to do something in our terms for our asking. We want you to respond to us. Jesus, in verse 12, he sighed deeply. Some translations say, in a spirit, he sighed. He was like, <sighs> and he says, why does this generation ask for a sign? I tell you, no sign will be given to it. What he's saying is, I've, I'm doing all these things. I'm working around you. But when you demand a sign, when you demand me to act away and ignore everything else that's going on, I'm not going to give that sign because it's for your terms, your way, your desire, not the will of God. Verse 13, it continues on. It says, then he left them and he got back in the boat and he crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So they just finished feeding 4,000 people, had seven baskets left. They get in the boat, they're out there rowing. They're like, oh, we forgot all the food. Someone's like, wait, wait, there is a loaf here. So they found this loaf, and they're concerned because they're hungry. Jesus, verse 15, he says, Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It's because we have no bread. Right? So if you're in that boat, you're doing the same thing the disciples are. Like, what? What are you talking about? Herod? Pharisees, yeast, and they're like, well, bread, yeast, connection. It's because we only have this. Jesus is upset that we forgot to bring a meal. What Jesus says, he, in verse 15, he says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. See, Jesus was not talking about physical bread in that sense, that meal. There was something more that he was getting at. Yeast or leaven in scripture is always the symbol of sin. So what he's saying, he's saying, watch out for the sin of Herod and the Pharisees. Now, if you were to dig into this and you were to be like, well, there's Herod, which we talked about last week, and the Pharisees, there is not crossover or similarity at all. The only thing they had in common was unbelief. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. See, Jesus was talking to his disciples, saying, watch out for this yeast of unbelief that sneaks in. That sneaks in. Because Jesus is saying, hey, you're worried about feeding 13 people in this boat when I just fed over 9,000 people in two different meals. You're worried about feeding 13 people and you only have one loaf. Jesus is looking at them saying this yeast, this unbelief can sneak in in the smallest of ways. It just creeps in. And then like yeast in a batch of, of dough, it just starts to expand. And it's worked its way through the whole thing. And he's saying that belief, that unbelief, this little bit comes in and starts to expand and it grows. And Jesus is saying, watch out for unbelief. Because guess what? He's saying you are sitting, worrying about provision of food when you're sitting next to the provider. Hey, did you not see what I did? Did you not see what I multiplied? 
Are you worried that I can't multiply this one loaf that you have to feed the 13 of us? But do we not do these same things? Do we not look and say, I really wish there was healing when the healer is near. I really wish there was care when the the ultimate care provider is there. I really wish I had compassion when the ultimate one who is compassion and love is there. That we look beyond the presence of God in our life, the presence of Jesus working and unfolding around us, saying, I wish this happened because I'm not really sure Jesus is going to do it. I'm not sure if my situation is important enough. I'm not sure Jesus notices me. Jesus, he responds to their unbelief with a series of questions. Verse 17 of chapter 8 of Mark. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces you picked up? At this point, they're like, 12, right? This is kind of like sheepish response. In verse 20, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? He said, you're talking about not having bread. Just ask me. Jesus is saying, just ask me. I'm right here. Now, 2,000 years later, we have matured past this point of missing God right near us, right? I mean, we don't struggle with unbelief at all. But the reality is, is that this question, we wonder, will God help me in this relationship? Will God care for my child? Will God provide that job? Will God help me in ministry or mission? Will God meet that need? You fill in the blank. Often we come to Jesus like Pharisees of saying, just give me a sign, Jesus. Just give me a sign. And Jesus is saying, like, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I've done. Do you see my faithfulness in your life and faithfulness in others? And, and yeah, everything didn't work out according to your plan, your signs, but do you not see what I've done? God is faithful. We just need to look around. It's like Emily was up here this morning and she said, I just took a moment and God opened my eyes and I saw him working all around. Matthew 7, we're called to ask and it'll be given. In that same chapter, God is referred to as a good father who gives what his children need. A chapter earlier in Matthew 6, we're called to seek the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. And then it says, and then all these things will be added. So we're to seek God, to seek his heart, to seek his righteousness, and these things will be added. And so Jesus asks a series of eight or nine questions, and I want to highlight three of them for us to consider briefly this morning. These three questions that Jesus asked, found in Mark 8, are are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? I want to real briefly talk to these three. The first thing is hard hearts. Do I have a hard heart? Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. 
for everything you do flows from it. So guard our heart. So my heart posture matters in life. Is my heart hard or is it soft and moldable? Because life can harden our hearts. As we walk through, there's only so much hurt and so much disappointment and so much pain that a heart can take and it can, can become hard. And so we walk through the world looking, thinking every situation is going to only hurt. So I have to protect myself from that. And so in a hard heart, bitterness grows and doubt grows and unforgiveness and fear and guilt. And all these things can grow in a hard heart. We're like, well, I am protecting my heart. It's not what the, the author of Proverbs meant. See, a hard heart just rejects everything around us and it's centralized in me. It's protective around. But a soft heart can be filled with the joy of the Lord, knowing that he will provide, that he is the one that softens. And so situations will unfold around, but it's a level of trust that God has got me, that I can find joy in these hard circumstances. Not happiness, joy that comes from God, that I can trust that God is working through difficult realities in my life. You may be looking saying, I only have one loaf. That's all I have in whatever situation you're facing. When God is saying, I'm the one that multiplies. Believe in me. So do we have a hard heart rejecting God working around us or what he wants to do? And I want to encourage you as a practice is, is what is it that you can do to evaluate your heart? Is my heart hard? Is my heart soft? And maybe there's someone close to you, maybe someone sitting next to you that can give you an honest answer if you'd allow them. That you'd invite them to say, yeah, this is some areas where you're shutting down. This is some areas where you're not receiving what God is wanting to do. And when they speak into your life, don't reject that. Don't have a hard heart to that. It's like, all right, God, what is this that you're doing? Second thing Jesus asked, do you have eyes but fail to see or ears but, that fail, to hear, or but fail to hear? So, most of us have well-functioning eyes and ears. I would not recommend you closing your eyes and trying to walk out of here this morning. That's just foolish. And in this way, in Scripture, Jesus is saying, open your eyes to see what I'm doing around you. Open your ears to hear what is going on. In Ezekiel, the, the word of the Lord came to him, and it says, Son of man, you're living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are rebellious people. And so we can look at this saying that the people are just going like, nope, I'm not going to listen or hear, and it's rebellion to God. And ultimately, when we close our eyes to what God is doing, close our ears to hearing the things of God, it's rebellion to God that results. We miss what God is doing around us. We miss hearing what God is doing. We live in a God-drenched world. Part of the reason they stood up here this morning and shared is that we could hear what God has done. The reason that Colleen shared her story, what God is doing. We need to hear what God is doing. In the Proverbs, in Proverbs, it calls eyes to see and ears to hear a gift from God. It's a gift from God because the disciples missed what was right before them. The disciples missed the gifts there. And so a practice that you can do is a prayer of noticing or a prayer of examining is another name. It's just simply starting by maybe the end of today, of going back through your day, of what did I notice in my day? 
Where did I notice where I was encouraged? Where maybe God was pointing something out? What about in points where I was discouraged? Or something was hard? Why? What, what am I to learn from this? And prayerfully walk through the day to look back and see. And I was doing this this last week a couple of different times. Just because I needed to look back and say, God, what, what was going on in that? And just pause and learn from that. Because when we start doing that looking back, when we're walking through our day, our eyes are more open to what God is doing. Our ears are more open. When we recognize it in the past, the future can be much clearer. So maybe for you, it's pausing, saying, I want eyes to see and ears to hear. And the final thing is, don't you remember? Jesus asked the question, don't you remember? We all suffer from God amnesia. We suffer because we forget what God has done. Again, that's why we have the light bulbs up there is we want to remember what God has done. We so quickly forget his faithfulness. We so quickly forget answered prayer. Many of you keep prayer lists. And when you see a prayer answered, you write it down and you look back and you see how God has been faithful. And you may look through your list or look through a journal that you have of your life and see, oh, okay, God was working there. Yep, God answered that. Nope, nothing's happened there. I'm going to keep focusing on that. Yep, that one was resolved. Not the way I thought it was going to be resolved, but it was resolved and God's going to do something in that. We're to remember what God has done, his faithfulness in our own lives, our families, our church, our community. And we're to tell stories. And so what's the practice with this? Is either journal, for those of you that like to journal. Um, I get on spurts where I like to journal, and then I stop, and so on and forth. And I also put ink blot. If you were to walk into my office, right, in front of my, uh, right behind my computer, there is a blank piece of paper with a tiny little ink blot on it. And this is a, a visual reminder for me to remember. So often what I do is I focus on the ink blot, that little part on there. And it's a reminder for me to think about the big white space of everything that God is doing and everything that's good in my life. When I get consumed with the ink blot, the thing, even though it feels big, what has God done and what does God continue to do? And so maybe for you, that's just printing out or having a simple ink blot in front of you or journaling, whatever it may be, to remember the faithfulness of God. So as we close... Jesus was frustrated because his disciples were concerned about what he had already done and didn't think he could provide. It was this unbelief, the sin of unbelief. Same sin of unbelief Herod and the Pharisees had. And it was this little bit of unbelief that can grow and harden our hearts. Jesus said, watch out. But a chapter later in Mark, Jesus is talking to a father, a father who's doubting. And Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And it says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So I encourage us. It's to know that God is close, that Jesus loves you, that the spirit of God is working. And so as we lean into him, that you would soften your heart, you'd open your eyes, you'd open your ears, and you would remember the faithfulness of God. So for you, maybe it's health or family or work or financial or church or relationship. Maybe your prayer this week is this. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Let's pray. Merciful Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus who uh, came and lived, who uh, was crucified on a cross, that is a payment for our sin. Who was buried? Who rose? And God, we put our faith and trust in a God who's alive, not a God who's dead. 
And God, I pray today, if there's anyone here just struggling with any level of unbelief, God, whether it's in you, Jesus, and the work that you've done on the cross, whether it's unbelief in a situation that someone's facing, Lord, that today would be a step toward you by saying, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Lord, you promised to go with us. You promised not to leave us alone. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And so, Lord, we surrender this day to you, this week to you, uh, Lord, the month ahead. And Jesus, just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen.